0: This is the One Verse Podcast, where we liberate scripture from religion one verse at a time. Well, hello there. It's Jeremy Myers, and you are listening to the One Verse Podcast. The following episode is an excerpt taken from one of the lessons in my online course, The Gospel Dictionary. In case you aren't aware of it, I have an online discipleship group. And one of the main things I do in this discipleship group is teach online courses. I think there's about 10 courses available now for people in the discipleship group. And one of them, one of these courses, is The Gospel Dictionary. The Gospel Dictionary looks at 52 keywords of the gospel, when it's all said and done, there might be a few additional words as well, and contains, I don't know, so far, about 100 hours of teaching, and I'm only about halfway through. So, um, uh, this, this podcast episode is an excerpt from one, just one of the lessons in that dictionary course. Now, if you want to take that course, you have to be part of the discipleship group, and you can do that by going to redeeminggod.com join. Learn uh, more there and uh, join up there. So I, I look forward to to seeing you there inside the discipleship group and uh, taking this course. Uh, this course will eventually become a book, probably several books, uh, but that's several years away from the time of me recording this. I got to finish the course itself. And then edit and process. And so, anyway, uh, if, if you're anxious though to read everything and get access to everything, the only way to do that is inside the Disciples Up group. Okay? They have PDF downloads, MP3 downloads, and you can uh, interact with me there as well about the content of these lessons. So, anyway, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I really, really appreciate it. Telling other people about it as well—that's how uh, word spreads about this. If you find the content of these podcasts helpful. Uh, and you're sharing it with others. Thank you so, so much. All right, with all of that in mind, let's get into the content of today's podcast study. All right, let's move on then to Matthew chapter 12, 33 through 37. Let me read this text. It's a parallel account, by the way, in Luke chapter 6, but we're going to focus on Matthew chapter 12. Jesus says this, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. All right, this is one of the key passages in the New Testament, which helps us understand what scripture means when it refers to fruit. And the words of Jesus here over and over and over numerous times make it explicitly clear that the fruit which comes from a person is not their works, but rather the words that comes out of their mouth. Jesus says, A tree is known by its fruit. And he says over and over and over that it is their words what their speaks which comes you know out of the abundance of the heart they bring forth good things what good things well the words of their heart um, the words I'm sorry the words of their mouth so in this context here in Matthew chapter 12 it is extremely clear that the good fruit of a person's life is the good words that perc- proceed out of their mouth uh, if these words agree with the rest of scripture, then these words are good. Namely, good fruit. Okay, so good fruit here are good words that are in lo- uh, in alignment with Scripture. Now, it's important to point out that all of the teaching in Scripture about the good fruit uh, of good words primarily have Bible teachers, theology teachers in view. Uh, m- most of the passages that invite us to look at the words of a person— As an indication about whether they should be listened to or not, they only have in view the words that people say about scripture and theology. Okay, they don't care. Scripture doesn't care. Doesn't have much to say about you know what a person might teach about politics or science or current events or history or whatever. Okay, if a person has some nutty views about politics or history or science or whatever, look, it might be wise to ignore their ideas, but But Scripture doesn't say that such a person's a false teacher and is going to bring fire into your life, anything like that, okay? The biblical teaching about good fruit and bad fruit only applies to people who are teaching about Scripture and theology. In fact, we can probably even go a little bit further than that. Uh, The biblical teaching about good fruit and bad fruit, I would say, doesn't even apply to the average Christian you know who might be a new Christian, or maybe they are generally uninformed, or maybe even uneducated about what the Bible teaches. Of course, education doesn't guarantee a person's going to be accurate in their Bible teaching either. We know that. Uh, but you know the warnings in Scripture about good fruit and bad fruit seem to be primarily directed towards those who we could who we could almost call them religious leaders or spiritual leaders or even professional educators, teachers, that sort of a thing. In the days of Jesus, these would be the Pharisees, the Sadducees, you know, the scribes, that sort of, those sorts of people. Today, we would call them pastors, professors, authors, uh, theologians, that sort of thing. And I certainly fall within that that uh, qualification, within that grouping as well. Okay, so these are the ones whose teachings we must carefully analyze to see whether or not their teachings line up with the overall teaching of Scripture. We're supposed to be like what happened with Paul when he went and visited Berea. We're supposed to be these noble Bereans in Acts 17.11 who searched the Scriptures daily to see whether what Paul was teaching, his words, lined up with the teachings of Scripture. That is what Jesus is inviting us to do. That's what this teaching of good fruit in Scripture is about. All right, um, So uh, one thing we're not invited to do here in Matthew chapter 12 or anywhere else in seeking to determine who's a, f- a good teacher and a bad teacher, one thing we're not invited to do is look at their works. The Bible reveals that if you want to know whether a teacher is a good teacher or a bad teacher, a true teacher or a false teacher, all you need to do is look at what they say, the words that come out of their mouth, and then compare those words with the overall teaching of Scripture. And, I mean, this just makes sense, because false teachers can be deceptive in how they live, right? We saw that in Matthew chapter 7, just just previously, where they appear as their wolves in sheep's clothing. They look like sheep, act like sheep, smell like sheep, right? But the words that come out of their mouth betray them. But Paul even says something similar in uh, 2 Corinthians 11, verses 13 and 14, where he says that false apostles can appear to be apostles of Christ. They look like it, act like it, talk like it, maybe even sometimes. But what they teach about Scripture and theology and God and eternal life, those sorts of things, they're not in alignment with Scripture. Even Satan himself can appear as an angel of light the great deceiver, right? So that's exactly what's going on here in Matthew chapter 12, verses 33 through 37. Now, it's a, it's also significant that in this context, the Jewish religious leaders have accused Jesus. What? They've spoken words. They've accused Jesus of casting out demons with the power of Beelzebub. And, and so in response, Jesus warns them about speaking blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Uh, Now, this does not mean that they had spoken blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Be very careful in understanding this. Jesus is warning them, look, if you go down this route, you are likely, you are about to, it's probable that you will speak blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Uh, And I explain in my book, uh, the book is called Why You Have Not Committed the Unforgivable Sin, that there is no passage in Scripture which clearly tells us, what this blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is, all right? There's lots of teachers out there who will like to tell you what it is. They will say it's divorce, it's adultery, it's murder, it's it's saying, you know, profane things to God or, you know, F you to the Holy Spirit or asking Satan to come into your life or something like that. Uh, and I get emails every day all over the world from people who have heard some some pastor or teacher who put fear of hell into their lives because they thought that they have committed the sin, and now even though they want to be forgiven, they want to be part of God's family, they just know they can't because this. They listen to this teacher. Look, there's no passage in Scripture which tells us what this sin is, and I think that's very good. There's a very good reason for that. As we all know, if we see a sign that says uh, "wet paint, do not touch," there's a large segment of the population that will go touch it. So God, very wisely, did not tell us in Scripture what this blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is, specifically is. Why? Because then there would be a large segment of the population that would go do it. And uh, and so... Anyway, the sin, though, is related. And by the way, I talk about this a lot more in my book. Um, The book is called Why You Have Not Committed the Unforgivable Sin. And I bring it up again only to say I am revising and updating and expanding that book. It probably will be a while before it comes out. So if you want to get a copy, go ahead and get it now. But there will be an expanded, updated version coming out eventually. Probably not this year. Maybe next year, but we'll see. Uh, Here in the context, though... Uh, this sin of this this blaspheme against the Holy Spirit,, um, it is related to speaking words against the Holy Spirit, apparently. And you can look at the parallel passage in Luke twelve ten to see that. Um, but no class, no passage clearly tells what it is. Uh, but it, and it's probably not specific words anyway. It's not like a magical formula here where you say the right words in the right way, uh, that you committed this sin. I think it's it's more of a general attitude of the heart, and that attitude is revealed by the words a person says, regardless of what those words might be. All right. Now, all that aside, uh, the the Bible doesn't really say what the nature of this sin is, <laughs> but as I indicated, many pastors and theologians and teachers are happy to tell you what this sin is. And the result of that is that they cause many people to live in fear, great fear, because they are afraid they might have committed this sin. Guess what? When a pastor or teacher says, I know what this sin is and here's what it is, guess what? They are proving that they should not be listened to. The fruit of their teaching, the result of their teaching, number one, it's not in alignment with Scripture, therefore, showing that they shouldn't be listened to, but now it is causing people to experience fire in their life, fear in their life. The fear of thinking that maybe God doesn't love them, hasn't forgiven them, can't forgive them even, because they've said or done something that this pastor or this teacher told them, this is the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. This is the unforgivable sin. Okay, so those teachers are close to doing the same thing that the Pharisees in this passage are doing. And Jesus says, don't listen to them, don't follow them, because that is the blasphemy. Those pastors and teachers who put fear into lives of people about the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, it is those pastors and teachers who are close to committing this sin. It is those pastors and teachers that Jesus is directing this warning toward. Okay. This entire context then reveals the truth of Jesus' teaching about fruit. Jesus is verbally challenging, uh, he is challenging the verbal words of the past of, of these Pharisees and Sadducees, these teachers of the law, right? And uh, Jesus is saying that their words, they have accused him of casting out demons by the power of Beelzebub. Jesus is saying those words reveal their heart. It shows that they are bad trees who are producing bad fruit, and therefore they should not be listened to, they should not be followed, they should not be uh, heeded, they should not be obeyed. Look, by outward appearances, they look great. They were the most observant people of the Mosaic law at that time. They were scrupulous law keepers. Yet, their words, their accusatory, condemning words, Reveal the true condition of their hearts. Reveal that they are not good teachers. Note, however, that once again, nothing is said in this context about being able to discern the eternal destiny of others based on what they say or, or even based on what they do. But even when someone speaks falsely, the way these religious leaders are here, you know, while their words do mark them as false teachers, someone that you shouldn't listen to, someone that you shouldn't follow, This doesn't mean they are eternally condemned. I mean, it's possible, right, that uh, they have eternal life, but they are simply confused or deceived themselves. In fact, every time a person who has eternal life speaks falsely, as I have done myself, there's many things in my past uh, where I have spoken falsely, and only later am I corrected or I do some more studying or reading and realize, whoa, I was wrong about that. All right. So lots of times, very often, people who do have eternal life, who have believed in Jesus for eternal life, they do teach and speak falsely because they themselves haven't learned properly or were deceived themselves or were confused or misunderstood a biblical text. That does happen. And so you can't say, well, just because that person taught falsely about something, that means they don't have eternal life. They might have eternal life and maybe they are confused as well. A bad fruit from the lips reveals that a bad tree has taken root in the heart. But it does not say anything, one way or another, about whether that person has eternal life. That is Matthew chapter 12. So that's going to do it for today's podcast study. I hope you found this study helpful and beneficial in not only understanding a key word about the gospel related to the gospel in Scripture. Uh, but also help bringing you greater and deeper understanding of a particular Bible verse uh, from Scripture. And of course, it's not just about gaining knowledge of the Scripture, but also applying it to our lives so that we can live in light of the gospel with God and with others, and also bringing this light to the world. Just as a reminder, this podcast study was an excerpt from my Gospel Dictionary online course. This course looks at fifty-two keywords of the gospel and hundreds and hundreds of Bible passages about the the gospel, and uh, it is available. The only way to take this course is by joining my online discipleship group. You can learn more and join by visiting redeeminggod.com/slash/join. You not only get access to this online course, the Gospel Dictionary but all of my other courses as well. We're thousands of dollars. There's hundreds of hours of teaching, and I'm adding more all the time. So anyway, if you would like to learn in this format through audio, uh, you can join there. There's PDF downloads, book downloads, free eBooks, even get access to my private Facebook group. You can contact me by email and so many other benefits as well. Uh, Just by joining up, I'm going to send you a free audio book on prayer. So anyway, to learn more and join me there, just go to redeeminggod.com slash join. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast episode today. And I look forward to seeing you in the next episode as well. Thank you so much. Talk to you later. Bye.